it's time to join Montana's very own and your voice for agriculture, Talking Ag Lane Nordland, for today's LaneCast. All righty, friends. Welcome back to yet again another agriculture conversation on the LaneCast Ag Podcast. It's actually been over a month since our last podcast conversation. I have been on the road quite a bit. We had some uh, family stuff going on, uh, a good stuff, but we just took us away from home in the microphone. So back in the saddle here having our podcast conversations thank you so much for joining us uh, here today and uh, what started off as going to be a podcast about a new exciting leadership academy that uh, young cattlemen and women can participate in and really become better leaders not only within the cattle industry but their communities uh, within their own family businesses on the state level and the national level we're going to talk about this new leadership academy but uh, of course course, me being a ag news guy, a newsmaker item popped up this morning uh, dealing with uh, the cattle business, uh, with bison, and with uh, uh, issues that impact uh, ranchers in central Montana. So we are joined today by the Montana Stock Growers Association's President Jim Steinbeiser out of Sydney, Montana, and their executive vice president, Jay Bodner. He's joining us from their home office in Helena, Montana, and and as I mentioned, we're, we're discussing a recent announcement just this morning, the uh, 30th of March 2022. The American Prairie Reserve received some news that they will deem good news in terms of uh, changes they wanted to see take place to their public land grazing allotments that are administered by the Bureau of Land Management. Uh, we're going to talk about that here first, but uh, let's uh, just... Uh, Say a quick hello to our guests here today. Uh, Jim, how are things in Sydney, Montana here this afternoon? I'm probably uh, getting into your dinner time here here this afternoon. That's all right, but I'll do anything for you, Lane. <laughs> um, actually, I appreciate your interest in, in what's going on in the country, so I'll happily skip lunch or postpone it for, to, to deal with that. And especially uh, this APR bison issue has kind of lost my appetite anyway. Well, yeah, and, and we're going to dive into that, and, and really, uh, uh, the, folks are going to have a lot of questions, especially folks that spend a lot of time putting comments together and sharing their personal experiences um, uh, with the Bureau of Land Management. But uh, on, on a lighter side, at, at your house, do you call lunch dinner and then dinner supper? Uh, yeah, uh, yes, we do. <laughs> lunch is dinner, and dinner is supper. See, that's how I grew up, and, and my wife gets mad at me some days when I, when I refer to as lunchtime as dinner time, and uh, and the well, I, I like having supper at five p.m. and people are like, "Geez," <laughs> but uh, Jay, how about the same question? What what do you call lunchtime? You know, it uh, with me, it's a little different. It it used to be in the day, and now it's kind of referred back to just lunch for us <laughs> and uh, and dinner. So, <laughs> well, well, you you guys must take a brunch break every day at the stock growers office, right? And have some mimosas. Probably that's that, that that's the rumor. Well, that would be nice, but most of the time we have so many issues to deal with, we don't even get to eat. So, well, a lot of work to be done. Well, thanks for indulging me, kind of lightening uh, uh, our, our conversation up just a little bit today. But as Jim said, uh, a very, very important conversation and topic to producers, not only in Phillips County, Montana, where the heart of this conversation is taking place, but to producers in central Montana and all over, and those that 
use public land allotments to uh, graze for a short period of time each year uh, to take care of those natural resources and the economic benefit that comes from that grazing to the local communities, especially our small rural communities in Montana. Uh, first off, Jay, what 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 went on today in terms of the BLM making an announcement uh, for revisions to these grazing allotments? Let's set that up. What did the American Prairie Prairie Reserve request a few years back, and uh, what what led up to this announcement today? Yeah, so this has actually been going on for a number of years. It actually started um, back in about 2018. So you go back that far where they had made some proposals. Uh, they were quite a bit expanded to where they are today, but they dealt with almost, I think, 18 grazing allotments. Um, pretty significant changes they were requesting. So it, it dealt with year-round grazing on many of those grazing allotments. It, it dealt with uh, removal of interior fencing and uh, really covered most of, or a number of the grazing allotments that they currently hold. Through um, that did get pared down um, to pretty significantly down to seven grazing allotments. And, um, and that's been in the works for I think almost two years now, uh, today or yesterday, they actually came out with the, the with a final or a proposed decision on this EA on these seven grazing allotments. And um, some of them dealt with uh, allotments they'd currently held with some bison on it. And then a number of them are uh, allotments where they would like uh, bison to be in the future. And um, so that grazing or that decision was, uh, like I said, made yesterday. We got it uh, um, certified mail today at our office. So when, when we look at this, uh, th there's uh, obviously uh, folks out there just saying, well, well, well a bison or livestock, why can't these changes just uh, happen seamlessly? Why are these cattle producers opposing this? Why, why do they want to have such a strict protocol when it comes to this? Jay, what is the response from the stock growers and livestock producers in that part of the country? Well, I think a couple of things. Certainly, if, um, if we want to refer to them as livestock, then um, certainly every permittee needs to follow the same rules. We should not be um, providing uh, preferential treatment to one class over another. And I think that's a concern that we've raised. And then secondly, I think uh, if you go back to the original documentation of the Taylor Grazing Act, um, bison are certainly not one of the species that are mentioned in that document. So I think uh, once again, um, that's an important thing to point out that, you know, it really was chiefly for grazing that document and really those public lands. So uh, I think that's an, uh, something that we need to make sure um, gets pointed out to folks. So, Jim, in your position as president of the Stock Growers, you have served uh, many years in leadership from just being a board member to an executive uh, committee member. Uh, obviously, over in Sydney, Montana, everything's good. You got irrigation water. You got some sugar beets out there, too. And uh, why, why is this a concern for, for a, a rancher up in Sydney, Montana? Joking aside, how important was it for you to learn about this issue from uh, your fellow producers like uh, like Leslie Robinson in that country and Vicki Olson and the other stakeholders that have been dealing uh, with uh, the American Prairie Reserve for uh, close to 20 years now? 
it, it's troubling that BLM takes a segment of an industry, and I guess you could call bison a segment of the livestock industry uh, if you want. And personally, you know, we don't have anything against bison themselves. Uh, we just think that they need to be managed as as much as cattle need to be managed. I mean, just look at Yellowstone Park. Um, look at look at the Lamar Valley, uh, the riparian area there, and, and tell me if, if um, there shouldn't be a little management going on with those bison. Uh, and we feel the same way here. I mean, there's even talk of them removing uh, water systems from these allotments, or at least not all of them, but some of them. Um, you know, bison need management as much as cattle need management. Bison were managed in, in throughout history, either by wolves or by Native Americans. Uh, they were managed, and and uh, we think they should be managed here as well. And and um, just APR's plan um, for their nonprofit business is is really detrimental to these small communities. I mean, they're struggling anyway. And, and you remove um, demand for feed and feed supplies and, and materials, it just further stresses these small communities. Now, Jay, when uh, obviously we, we had a chance to speak briefly this morning, right uh, when this news came out, uh, just because I had a I had that radio news news deadline. I wanted to break this. I wanted to get this on the air so producers and, and stakeholders out in these rural communities across Montana know what's going on. And we briefly discussed kind of what uh, these uh, changes uh, uh what the BLM is going to allow. Could you just briefly walk us through what you understand to be these changes that the BLM is going to allow based on different suggestions that were put forward for these seven different grazing allotments? Yeah, so I, I, I'll break it down. So um, once again, seven grazing allotments, four of the grazing allotments, they're going to allow the change of class of livestock from cattle to bison. Um, they are so also um, going to change the authorized season of use. So that, uh, that grazing season somewhat. So they've adjusted that. Uh, they also are going to, on these four allotments, allow for some removal of interior fencing. And so they're going to consolidate pastures. So make those pastures larger. Um, certainly, I think once again, from our end, you know, from our insight, um, you know, these these uh, grazing rotation pastures were put in place for a reason. But regardless, and then also it allows for the 10 year grazing permits to be authorized. So uh, there are two other allotments where they can also reconstruct uh, fences. They allow some uh, basically electric fence to be put in around existing boundary fences. They would also approve those 10-year grazing uh, uh, permits. And then on the last allotment, um, this allotment is kind of a common allotment. So they did not allow any of the change of class of livestock from cattle to bison on that one. So that one uh, pretty much remains as it does on the books today. So that's the quick rundown of those. Um, you know, three of the allotments that were approved that I mentioned for, first are, are are three allotments they currently do have bison on. So those are run year round basically on those allotments. And they once again got 
the 10 year grazing permits on those. So there, so is, has the BLM stated then that they will be able to graze that year round, or are they just going to turn, turn around and not look at that situation that they're running bison on these allotments year round, even though if that was a cattle producer, that'd be frontline headline news. Uh, what, what is the thought on that? Well, certainly I think that's a concern we've raised and we've consistently raised that through time is that, you know, this seems to be a little, certainly a different direction than BLM has moved over the past 30 years. It, it's going back in a grazing management strategy that we've moved away from and we found success in moving away from. And so uh, technically um, these APR grazing allotments still have to meet rangeland health standards. Um, but uh, I guess from our view, it's going to be very difficult on the ones where they, that where they do run year around um, to meet some of those rangeland health standards. And, uh, and certainly on the, on the places where they remove some of the infrastructure and interior fencing, if, if uh, they do not meet those, then it's going to be difficult to, to be able to manage those animals to, to then uh, meet the rangeland health standards. So, Jay, obviously my family has deep roots uh, in Phillips County from uh, the, the generations, uh, five five generations ago that came over from Sweden to settle there to uh, my ancestral roots on my Native American side. We still ranch on Fort Belknap Indian Reservation, and uh, it's been dry, dry, dry for four years in Phillips County and severe drought conditions. Um there's not a lot of grass out there right now, and we're all praying for rain. For I mean, no, no one's not going to say that we're not praying for rain right now. But when we look at these allotments, I know there's cattle producers out there that have uh, grazing allotments that probably have had to reduce uh, their the number of uh, livestock uh, per head that they can run due to drought. What? Uh, how is the BLM going to enforce that uh, with bison when it seems that they've already let? Uh, the APR run year round on these allotments already? Well, certainly we've discussed that internally also. And that is a big discussion point, I think, because, you know, typically what we've seen from BLM is a request for a 25% reduction in grazing for cattle numbers. And so we would expect all permittees uh, most likely would have received that. Now, if you do run year round, or if you're not really a commercial herd where those animals are being bought and sold out of, um, how do they comply with that? I think that is a very important question that BLM does need to answer. Now on this decision, they are permitted numbers. Uh, they still would have to file an actual use report. And, uh, but once again, I would assume that they have received those similar letters of doubt or drought reduction. And, um, but it's going to be very difficult for them to comply with those kind of regulations versus a commercial cattle herd where, you know, you're, you're virtually working those cattle all the time. And Jim, from your perspective in leadership, there there has been a lot of effort uh, on behalf of the Montana stock growers, uh, local organizations, and just efforts from the citizens in, in these areas to, to have their concerns heard. Uh, can you just talk about the public comment process and the stock growers' role in, in collecting comments and writing uh, very in-depth scientific uh, comments that were submitted to the BLM and, and how important that process was. And then, and then we'll talk about if those comments were even heard, but let, let's just talk about that comment gathering process. Yeah. So there was a, 
you know, a substantial process uh, um, in the past, and and this is this is a result of it. So, I mean, you kind of wonder how much attention they gave to these comments. I mean, we put a lot of thought and and uh, effort into that, and and not just our personal opinions, but we got the opinion of experts. Um, that all rolled into our comments, and and uh, I, I know uh, other entities, especially in Phillips County, that that uh, got an experienced an attorney to to do the same. That's dealt with a lot of BLM issues, and and it just appears like um, they they had a determination prior to the to um, the comments and and. Um, just I don't know what they did with our comments, but it doesn't appear like they spent a lot of time um, um, seriously considering them. And I'm sure they got comments on the other side. But uh, again, those are mostly from folks that do not live in the area, do not have engagement in the area other than stopping by once every five years, um, don't have social ties and, and aren't tied financially, economically to, to this decision. And I, I don't know, we got, we got a big organization, nonprofit organization that's getting uh, funding from all throughout the world uh, to make this work. And we as ranchers are supposed to compete with this. Um, it, it's a challenge. Now, Jay, speaking of those uh, comments, uh, you, obviously it's very clear that uh, the BLM didn't uh, consider much of the input from these local stakeholder groups. Why, how frustrating is that? Uh, obviously, the Stock Growers is a voice for its members. And uh, how do you assure your membership that, you know what, we are doing everything we can and we're going to continue just because uh, the, this administration didn't listen to our, our valid concerns in the countryside? Yeah, certainly. I mean, um, actually, I looked back at just kind of the file I have on comments that we've submitted on this issue alone, just with APR over the years. And it's uh, it almost will fill your inbox if I were to send you all of those. So it's important that to just to remind folks that um, we certainly are going to be this is a priority for our organization and our membership across the years. And um, as these continued efforts, um, we are going to continue um, to um, submit comments on behalf of the livestock industry and, and not really only just emotional comments like that. We focus really on economics, um, rangeland health, scientific comments. Those are the things that I think are really hard to ignore when you write those kind of comments. And so we really focus our efforts on that. Um, and, and really question how BLM could look at something a little differently than we are when you base it on science. And so those are the kind of things that we continue to make sure that we point out in these kind of documentation. And even we've looked back at, um, you know, uh, comments that we wrote in 18, and it looked like, you know, BLM has taken uh, certainly a different stance from what they proposed in 18 and what they documented in 18 to what they did today. And it really dealt, and that specific issue dealt with repairing grazing. Back in 18, they said, well, it looks like uh, bison grazing are going to be, can provide some trampling on riparian habitat. 
due to you know season-long grazing. And in this document, they say, well, certainly they're going to benefit uh, the riparian areas because they travel farther and they, they don't hang out at water. And, and so there was two starkly differences in BLM documentation over just a couple of years, which once again, raises a lot of concerns for us. Mm-hmm. And so what, what would be the next? Lane, gonna, yep. Jim, jump in. I would, I would just add that, you know, uh, we try to meet with BLM and Billings um, once or twice a year. And, and have for several years. And, and of course, this issue is, is one of the issues we, we discuss. And, and so it's not just writing comments and sending them in, it's uh, trying to build relationships and trying to um, get them to look at this uh, from a little different point of view. Uh, we weren't successful uh, yet, um, but we're not done. And, and uh, you know, this is a multi-prong approach. And uh, obviously, right now, uh, sustainability is a big topic uh, with consumers, with lawmakers, with decision makers, and in agriculture. And that's obviously a top priority for family farmers and ranchers is to stay sustainable. And that, of course, means taking care of their natural resources, looking at new innovative ways to improve herd health and land health and stay financially sustainable. Jim, how important is it for producers not to be scared of that word sustainability or engaging in telling their sustainability story? Because the American Prairie Reserve seems to have told a very good story. They, they have donors from all over. They have people that truly believe that uh, there, no, there, there isn't anyone in this part of the world that uh, does any good for the, <laughs> for the environment or the land. Why, why is it so important for producers to engage in, in the sustainability topic and, and, and nominate? themselves or their neighbors for uh, awards and recognition like the uh, Environmental Stewardship Award. Yeah, when when uh, ranchers hear the word sustainable or sustainability, we kind of raise an eyebrow um, because that can mean so many different things to different people. But, but you know, the U.S. Roundtable on Sustainable Beef, uh, which is a big group uh, encompassing uh, everyone from consumers to producers and all the folks in between have come up with a definition. And that definition is uh, something that fits right in with any well-run ranch in Montana. Um, it's easy to be sustainable because we have to be sustainable. Uh, otherwise, you mentioned uh, five generations, Lane. Uh, there's lots of ranches around here, five generations, and and uh, you cannot exist that long without taking care of the land and taking care of your livestock. So, yes, and you know we have the rancher, uh, we have the um, our uh, stewardship award program uh, every year through Montana Stock Growers, and and. Uh, we recognize a ranch um, and, and then we take a tour on that ranch and, and uh, just to show folks what, what they do. And, and really, it's a typical ranch. It's what most ranchers do. It's how most ranchers manage their livestock. And that's what we're talking about here, managing livestock. 
Now, Jay, uh, everyone's going to be that that's listening to this. They're going to probably be asking. So, what are the next steps here? What what uh, what do the the folks that have a, a vested interest in this discussion? What what will they what will they have to do? What will the stock growers, the Montana Public Lands Council, uh, uh, teaming up with United Property Owners in Montana? What what are the next steps? Do you believe that uh, are going to have to take place uh, in, in this discussion? Yeah, so certainly, I mean, when you just look at um, specifically the process that BLM has laid out, there's there's a couple of options. So um, if you work through the administrative process for BLM, you have 15 days to protest the decision, or you have 30 days after the decision is made to file a notice of appeal with administrative law judge. So those are the two processes that are available to any permittee or anybody that submitted comments. So um, I think from a, a Montana stock grower perspective, a Montana PLC and, and uh, Association of State Grazing District, you know, we're one, once again, we're gonna be reviewing this documentation a little closer. We're going through it line by line, word by word uh, to see exactly um, what that documents are. Um, we also did, it does say in the document that they did answer some of those questions, although it's not available on the BLM website yet. So we want to make sure that we take a look at that review, how they've kind of, um, supposedly answered the questions that we proposed and others have proposed in the comment period. Um, we'll be working very closely with a number of other ag organizations that you mentioned, um, and then uh, also the state of Montana, the state of Montana and the, both the governor's office and the, a number of state federal or state agencies also submitted comments along with the attorney general. So we'll be having some conversations with them also to then look at, you know, what are the next steps? What, what's the most effective way to address uh, this decision? And um, so we haven't made those decisions yet, but those are some of the things on the table that we'll be considering talking through um, and then come up with uh, a way to, uh, I guess, uh, address what this decision, this proposed decision says. And who made this decision? Is it an office in Montana? Is that is it out in Washington, D.C.? Is it closed door? Maybe uh, how, how does this, how do they make these decisions? Well, um, if you look at uh, who signed the document, it comes out of the Multifield office. Uh, you know, all indications are that um, this probably had a lot more attention than just the multi-field office and probably much more than just the state office. You know, our indication are this, 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 um, this issue, this decision is uh, uh, very well known in the D.C. office. And so I would uh, not imagine that, um, you know, they did not have their eyes on it uh, and part of the decision making coming all the way from the D.C. level. Well, again, there's uh, quite quite a lot uh, that we still have to ruminate on and uh, continue to explore when it comes to um, the American Prayer Reserve and the BLM uh, uh, pretty much granting them everything that, that they wanted in terms of making those changes uh, to their public grazing allotments up there in Phillips County. Uh, just uh, a, gr- a conversation that I know we'll continue to have uh, for, for quite some time. But uh, hey, friends, when we come back, uh, we are going to discuss uh, efforts that the Montana Stock Rovers are following up on to, to make sure that next generation of uh, cattlemen and women are are equipped to be the the leaders in their communities with
within the livestock business and uh, to, to showcase the sustainability of livestock production. We're going to talk about the M Bar Academy uh, right after these words from today's podcast sponsor. The National Cattlemen's Beef Association is the definitive voice of cattle producers in our nation's capital. NCBA is working on behalf of its members to protect your operation from government overreach and rising taxes. But the cattle business is under pressure, and we need every producer to join us to protect our way of life. Join NCBA today and help us protect the future of your farmer ranch. Visit ncba.org or call 866-233-3872 for more information. All right, again, a thank you to today's sponsor of the podcast as uh, we return back to our conversation with uh, Jim Steinbeiser, president of the Montana Stock Growers out of Sydney, Montana, and Jay Bodner, executive vice president of the Stock Growers based out of the Helena office. Uh, uh, We are going to turn our attention to a a newly announced uh, premier leadership program uh, called the MBAR Academy. The Stock Growers just announced it yesterday, and, and it's not just one leader leadership training, not not a week of leadership training. It's an 18-month leadership program uh, that uh, is truly going to help shape the future of Montana leaders within the livestock industry. And uh, uh, Jim, I'll start with you. Obviously, in the past, we, we've had different forms of leadership programs, and I know it all, always comes down to having someone coordinate those and having people uh, uh, participate why is it important to the stock growers to invest in the in the future leaders, those future, uh, whether they're a board member down the road or just active in their, their local community? Why is it important to be investing in leadership? Because, hey, we're all in 4-H and FFA. We've all been through a leadership program. Why, why, why is it important to continue to invest in, in leadership education? Lane, we are uh, very excited about our new MBAR Academy. And, and yes, we've had We've had leadership programs in the past, and, and we took a bit of a hiatus and, and revamped this, and, and uh, we think this is going to be substantially improved, and we're really excited about it. And probably, you know, the important thing, Lane, is there's so few of us. I mean, there's just not very many ag people in the United States or even in Montana when you look at the population. So with that... Um, we need to be able to lead. We need to be. We need to know what the issues are, and we need to be able to speak to them, and and network with folks both in and out of agriculture, in, in and out of uh, government. Uh, those are all just important things. It basically leverages our position when we have uh, talent out there that that. Uh, can uh, look at the future and, and affect it, both in a statewide organization like uh, Montana Stock Growers or even just in a regional or, or your community. It's all important. So how did the name MBAR Academy come about? Obviously, those of us in the livestock business, we know MBAR would be an M and then a bar representing a brand. Uh, where, where did this uh, 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 logo and programming uh, uh, title come from? Well, the MBAR is Montana Stock Growers brand. So that's where it came from. And uh, this, this uh, new leadership uh, series was put together by past leadership um, attendees, and um, so this is what they came up with, and and I think it 
I like it. It makes a lot of sense and, and it ties us to our history. And uh, I think they did a good job putting this together. I mean, it, it talks about leadership development, um, business relationships, as I mentioned, industry issues, media training. Um, you know, this is an 18 month program. So that'll allow them each class will will have time in the legislature to get experience there and, and uh, testifying in front of committees, uh, understanding the various agencies and their role in our business. And uh, uh, speaking of brands, just to just to go off into the the sagebrush again, I was on Craigslist, and it, it's really fun to watch people that went and purchased brands before the brand re-recorder. After you know, people everyone thinks their brand is worth forty thousand dollars, and uh, th- there is a really cool brand for sale on Craigslist right now, and it's cow right ribbed. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and it's uh, a horse you, brand too but i'm just like cow it's for twenty one thousand, i think or somewhere around there maybe it's 10 or twenty one thousand, something like that what's that jim have you seen the iou brand yeah i have who, who has that one i don't i don't know <laughs> i don't know who has it but yeah i owe you that, that's a good one uh because I, I would enjoy a, the bank when they have to put a lien against your brand when you go get a loan i owe yeah. you that that'd be the perfect one but cow i'm like yep that's a cow um it might yep. it might make a city slicker shake their head or scratch it if they see that brand on a horse though like these guys don't know what they're doing but uh coming back to the mbar program uh jay 18 months is no small feat uh when you're trying to get people that are active out on their family operations or or possibly attendees can be from agribusiness uh, well i guess what is the criteria for for folks uh that you are seeking to sign up for this program yeah so i think just first and foremost we want people that are interested in ag um, and can be really leaders like jim mentioned in the industry uh, we do not have any age commitment um, so there's no sideboards on that. We're, we're looking for any of those individuals that just want to uh, maybe sharpen their skills a little and uh, be able to, you know, take those skills wherever they may be in our organization, at their local level or at the state level or at the national level. Um, so those are some of the things we're looking for. Yeah, you did mention 18 months. So it is a very time commitment uh, program. And we want to make sure that people know that going in. Um, as Jim mentioned, we felt it was very important to include a legislative session in that. Uh, just with the work that we do with the legislature and the, the work that the legislature has that impacts our business and our state, we felt it was very important to, you know, incorporate that provision into this program. Um, you know, we also incorporate just our events with Midyear and our T-Bone and our convention so that they can learn more specifically about those events, you know, that pertain, you know, individually to our organization. But uh, once again, you know, that application is there, there's an application fee. Um, there is some potential help for that if, if individuals, if that is a, you know, something, a, a bar that can't be met. Uh, we just want to uh, get the, the best and the brightest. And, and we're really after, like you mentioned, everybody's busy. And those are the folks we're after, you know, that are, are committed to be on the school board or committed to be a con- county commissioner or leaders in their community with various groups. Um, 
you know, those are the movers and the shakers and, and folks that we think um, will just be a great addition to a program like this. So how, how, uh, how many are you, are they going to meet every month? Is it going to be spread out? And uh, then yeah, how, I guess, what's that going to look like? Yeah, so it's going to include, like I said, you know, the events that we have, and then there'll be um, some virtual type events, so it won't all be in person. We we do recognize certainly the vastness of Montana and topography and, and just the geography, and, you know, so we want to make a program that um, certainly meets all of those needs, so it will incorporate a little of both. There'll be a number of in-person meetings, um, some virtual and there'll also be a little bit of homework involved in that. So, you know, take home and, and uh, get some work done at home uh, and then come back and present that to the group. So it is a mix. Like I mentioned, um, there will be some in person for the legislature. So if there's an opportunity for them to uh, potentially testify at the legislature, uh, we would like to capture that opportunity if we possibly can, because we do feel like that is an important component. Now, mentorship is a big part of success in agriculture, uh, whether that is your parents, your in-laws, uh, aunt, uncle, someone that you truly respect that makes you a better operator. And I see that there's actually kind of a, a mentor slash uh, leadership coach that uh, participants will get to work with. Uh, why, why is that an important component? I think, you know, certainly everybody, like you mentioned, everybody has those people either in their family or in their community that they look up to and that um, you, they can certainly are a benefit to improve you and improve your, your business or how you conduct yourself. And so we did search um, pretty extensively to look for a leadership coach that we felt like could portray those that could coach um, could explain and is a, I think what we would consider a good mentor on themselves. So we did, um, did a lot of work on that end to make sure that we could get the right person for our group. And we feel like that, uh, we certainly have captured that. So we're excited, um, that, uh, he will be leading kind of this leadership effort for us. And, um, so once again, I think it, it is important to have those kind of folks and, and we think we found the right one. And I'm flattered. I'm joking. <laughs> I am joking. I, I, uh, but at the end of the day, this is going to be a great opportunity uh, for, for folks truly to just, uh, you know, become better advocates, become better cattlemen and women or agribusiness professionals. And uh, when, when is the deadline uh, to apply for this, Jay? So the deadline is going to be May 1st. So um, have about another month to look through that application. It's, uh, it is available on our website. Uh, we'll have a press release that's out. So if you have any information, you know, just get a hold of the office here. We can help you walk through that if you can't find it. Um, but the, the, like it postmarked by May 1st and it, Okay, so May 1st is that deadline, and you can visit uh, mtbeef.org for that application. And, and Jim, you know, at the beginning of our podcast conversation today, we were talking about all the work that goes into the, the listening sessions and taking the phone calls from stock grower members about their concerns, not about just the American Prairie Reserve and their efforts, but all issues that impact the industry. And, and as you reflect on the last number of years that you've served in leadership within the stock growers, uh, I, I guess what is a, a bit of advice that you have for 
a person of any age that maybe is feeling a little bit hesitant about uh, uh, doing a leadership program or doing another leadership program like the MBAR Academy? What, what What's your words of encouragement to, to them? Well, I mean, the classic uh, saying is uh, the world's run by those who show up. And, you know, the more I've been involved, the more of that is true. I mean, it's surprising um, how much influence one person can have, um, even on a national level, uh, just by being there, just just by showing up. And, and, you know, don't wait until you know everything or you're you're a shiny speaker, just get involved. People, um, people like real people. So don't worry about being um, this shiny thing, this, you know, I'll just start repeating myself, but just, just get engaged, get involved and you'll learn so much. And, and people, um, People like engaging with other people. I mean, you, you go to state agencies and even federal agencies, when they get a real, that are tied to agriculture, you get a real ag producer there, they really sincerely enjoy that and, and take what we have to say uh, very seriously. Not in the case of the APR decision, however, <laughs> but, but in a lot of cases they do. And, and that's just by showing up. Well, again, uh, the MBAR Academy, those applications uh, do uh, May 1. Uh, as I mentioned, visit uh, mtbeef.org for more on that. And, but uh, we do need to give a shout out. I, I don't understand why Stock Growers continues to elect leaders that live so far away from where I live, and we have to have mid-year meetings several hours away from where I live. <laughs> uh, I, I'm talking about the mid-year meeting uh, of the Stock Growers. It's going to be June 1st through the 3rd, all the way over in Sydney, Montana. But you know, Jim, I, I'm not going to be coming from uh, Tracy, Montana to that meeting. I'm going to be coming from Buenos Aires, Argentina. So I got a little bit further uh, commute than uh, I, I typically thought I would. Yeah, well, I hope that uh, you won't have any flight plan issues. Well, if I, and, if uh, it is, it'll be Cape Air. That, that'll be the flight issue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can fly straight to Williston as well. They have some um, that, big flights there, so you might consider that. That actually, that'll be a good backup just in case. But no, I'll be uh, down with the Department of Agriculture. Uh, we're doing a, a beef trade mission to Argentina there at the end of May. And I'm just going to fly into Billings. And uh, Russell Nimitz and I, we're going to uh, be brave and jump on that Cape Air flight. Um, and uh, go up and enjoy it and fly back. So then I don't have like a seven-hour flight. I only have like a three-hour drive back uh, from uh, uh, seven-hour drive, excuse me. But uh, what what what's in store for attendees in Sydney this year? We, uh, you know, Sydney is a little out of the way for some folks, um, but it's it'll be well worth your trip. Um, a lot of good folks in Sydney. Um, very, pro I hesitate to say progressive because that, that word has been hijacked, but progressive in the classical sense. Um, folks, um, just forward thinking, good folks here. Um, we're going to have, uh, we've been having a cattleman's ball um, every year, and we're going to have that tied to our convention. So that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be at the end. That'll be on Friday evening. 
Uh, we might have, I'm working on a special guest. I can't announce it yet because, well, there's no commitment for sure. So, um, but this person has a long history in Eastern Montana and Western North Dakota, um, was one of the founding members on, on the stock grower organization back in Miles City in 1884. Um, yeah, he's still alive. Um, so we hope to we hope to have him stop by. So we'll see how that goes. And of course, all the business work that that uh, we need to do and, and always do in our summer meetings, they'll they'll be there as well. I didn't know Fred Wacker was that old. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's going to be fun. Um, it, yeah, it's going to be a great time over there in Sydney. And for our listeners that are in Montana, uh, look at those Cape Air flights. That, that's a great way to get up there. And Jay Bodner, he has his own Uber Uber service um, that uh, I heard he's going to be running over there in Sydney, picking people up there at the uh, the Metro Airport. Uh, but uh, those dates, uh, the first through the third, majority of the events really kicking off there on Thursday the second uh, with opening session. And hey, they even got a BQA training that Bill Pelton's going to be putting on earlier in the day. So uh, a very informative, hands-on opportunity. Get your BQA training and also uh, help some set some of that uh, midterm, uh, interim, ex- excuse me, interim uh, uh, policy for the, the stock growers as well. But uh, gentlemen, I know uh, it, it is, uh, I'm getting into your dinner time. Jay, I'm sorry, I'm going to refer to it right now as dinner time. Uh, but uh, any, any last comments, thoughts before I, I let you get back to your, your time there at the home places i might just mention that that uh you know our uh mbar uh, leadership series if that's something that interests you um please go to mtbeef.org and sign up and if you're not interested but you think it's important um there's plenty of sponsorship opportunities that that uh we would very much welcome jay any thoughts oh sorry I'll, I'll just add, um, you know, as far as uh, BLM's ruling on APR's requests, um, we're down right now, but we're not out. There's there's still tools we can use, and, and uh, we've been prepared for this uh, potential outcome, and, and we'll be moving forward on that. Yeah, Lane, I would just uh, just follow up what Jim said. You know, we certainly would encourage everybody to uh, join us at mid-year and, and – uh, just, uh, it's a great opportunity not only to develop some policy, but to have a little fun right along with that. And then also, just in addition to that, we touched on just a couple of big issues today. Uh, uh, but, you know, as far as the association goes, uh, we cover uh, just about every topic out there that impacts the livestock industry. So, certainly, if anybody has any questions or issues that uh, come up on the ranch, we just encourage you to give us a call and and certainly see if we can maybe try to help out on on any of those issues. Well, again, gentlemen, thank you for your time. And probably the next time I'll see you in person, I'll be uh, just coming up from south of Alzada there from Buenos Aires and uh, making my way up to up to Sydney as well. But again, a big thank you for for, uh, the quick turnaround and being able to sit down and talk today uh, about uh, very important issues uh, uh, from the APR grazing decisions to uh, leadership opportunities and the mid-year meeting. Thank you so much to Jay and Jim for joining us here today. Thank you, Lane. Thanks. All right, friends, that will do it for today's conversation here on the LangCast Ag Podcast. Tom Lane Nordlund, we'll catch you next time. 
Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.